0: Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest-growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry-leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. If you are looking to enhance your tenant's movement experience, cut down on phone calls or emails to you or your staff regarding utilities, then you must connect yourself, your team, and your tenants with Citizen Home Solutions. Citizen Home Solutions takes the hassle of utilities off your hands and your tenants. Best of all, we do it for free. Build us into your tenant benefit package. Oh, and start benefiting from our revenue share program. Yes, we pay you a quarterly commission on specific services your tenant opts into. Want to know more? Give us a call today at 877-528-3824 or visit pmcpartner.com.
1: 86% of millennials and over 60% of baby boomers in a recent study said smart home is an amenity they're willing to pay more for. The ease of use and energy savings that comes with a smart home pay for themselves while also increasing property managers' revenue Point Central provides services like unattended showings, secure access, and HVAC control, while also providing value to your residents through smart automation. Request a free demo today. Call us at 888-532-3032 or visit pointcentral.com.
2: And welcome everybody to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind Show. I'm your host, Brad Larson, and today's guest I've got a fellow property manager here from New Jersey. He's a startup. He's doing student housing. He just transitioned out of the corporate world. His name is Pete Tverdov. Uh, hopefully I got that right. Played co- Awesome. Played college football at Rutgers. And I got to assume you were a cornerback and or defensive end potentially. What are you thinking?
1: Hey, there you go. Not bad. I actually played the uh, nose tackle, believe it or not. And, nose tackle.
2: Uh, you look uh, way too thin on radio to be a nose tackle, man. Come on.
1: Yeah, I know. I've I've since melted. I cut my, it's a story of Samson from the Bible. I cut my hair, I lost all my strength.
2: So I, I, you reached out to me and I really appreciate you did because you know, you are the reason we do the mastermind here because you are a startup. You're getting into a niche market of student housing. Uh, you have survived the crisis of COVID and you've come out on top in a growth manner. And so Pete, you know, I'm really excited to have you on because I think we're going to have a good conversation here. Uh, you know, I want you to come in and introduce it a little bit. Kind of tell us your story, and let's let talk about what you've been doing.
1: Sure. So, uh, I worked the last eleven years on Wall Street, and got into real estate investing about six years ago. You know, typical story: bought a, a multifamily. I lived in a unit, fixed it up, rehabbed it. Uh, bought a few more units with my wife, and uh, while we were doing that, um, I was trying to figure out you know another way to make money and. I really enjoyed being a landlord and I started just quietly managing for other people. Like, you know, people would just ask me, I'm like, yeah, sure. I can manage your house. And this was all in my neighborhood, frankly. So it was very simple for me. And, um, you know, it just, it grew from getting beer money each month to, you know, paying for vacations to at one point I was like, wow, I I actually think if I try, I can make this a business because no one's really doing this, in my area of New Jersey. And I know nobody's going to do it as well as I do. And <clears throat> I got serious about it about a year ago. And that's where the growth started to explode. And in January of this year, I, I left my corporate job. I said, you know, thanks, guys. It's been great. I want to be an entrepreneur, be my own boss. And uh, you know, obviously, nobody saw the pandemic <laughs> coming. But um, it's been a wild ride so far this year. And I, I have no regrets over what I did.
2: I love it. And so there's one thing you said that really, really caught my ear is nobody's going to do it as well as you. And that is the absolute truth with all entrepreneurs is they have that mindset. Um, I did when I was in real estate, I do in the property manager world. Nobody does it as well as we do or I do. And you have that coming into it. You obviously have a good mindset because you played college ball eleven years on Wall Street. I mean, is it I can just imagine it's like it's a, it's a roller coaster, it's a it's like Vegas in New Jersey. I mean, and the thing that really intrigued me and why I got you on is you are managing in New Jersey. New Jersey is notoriously famous for being extremely blue and very tenant friendly, yeah. almost anti-landlord. So tell us a little bit about the climate of just trying to manage the actual environment of managing homes in New Jersey.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. You hit on a lot of good points. It's not easy. You really, um, you need to have a good grasp of landlord-tenant law. Um you know, you, you need to understand, you know, what to do with security deposit accounts and, you know, when you can post notices, when you can evict, how, how you can evict. Um, and it's been challenging and it's been really challenging during coronavirus because, unfortunately, the governor, I think he's going to lose because he kind of created a, an executive order that, in my opinion, was unconstitutional where he basically said he told every tenant in New Jersey, you could use your security deposit to pay rent. And people completely took advantage of that. And it's been, that's been a nightmare to sort through, but you know, we'll get through it at the end of the day. It's not a huge deal, but it's, it's like little things like that have made it challenging. And then obviously the tax environment. So that's why I wanted to go on the show because you don't really hear many real estate investors from New Jersey or property managers from New Jersey, but um, I'm here to tell everyone you can be very successful investing in New Jersey. You just have to know the areas to invest in.
2: And I think the part of it is is interesting because of the niche markets. I mean, I would not want to go into New Jersey and manage multifamily units for 600, 800 a month, you know, section eight type stuff. But if you get those nice single family homes in a suburb or, you know, subdivisions outside of the main cities, those are going to be just like managing homes in any other, part, any other portion of America, pretty much, in my opinion. Maybe I'm way off, but, you know, is it, I mean, I know there's certain laws you got you to live with, but. That's going to be across the board. The tenancy laws are federally based for the most part, you know, fair housing, et cetera. And um, there's certain, certain state requirements, you know, but they do it in California at a high level. They do it in other blue states at a high level. And I'm sure you guys can do it there. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit further about the student housing stuff, because that was really interesting, too, the fascinating part of student housing. So tell me kind of how you got into that and where do you think that's going?
1: So the way I got into it is I went to Rutgers and I I lived off campus and, you know, had a very nice landlord and, um, you know, we moved. And about six years ago, my wife and I were joking one day, she's like, you know, we should just move back down there and buy a multifamily rent to college students. And I like laughed, like, yeah, yeah, right. I was like, it's actually not a bad idea. And long story short, we bought a property and, you know, renovated it and then added a few more to the portfolio. And Originally, all I wanted to do was student housing, like student housing, student, ha- that, that's all I would market to. And I became a specialist really in that area in, in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, and then I also started to get other tenants who are not students, just like your regular families or, or yuppies. And what I realized is student housing is very management intensive. So the cash flow is certainly higher, but the houses get beat up more and the tenants are, they know nothing. And the, the bad part is they think they know a lot. So when let's go
2: back a minute, let's go back yeah. on this. Define student housing for, for us. I'm thinking dorm rooms, okay? Maybe that's way off, maybe it's just like even like a, a, a single family home with five bedrooms and that's air quotes student housing. So tell me what you think it is there.
1: So what you described, it's both. So. There's some student housing buildings that are apartment style, style buildings, 30 units, 50 units, and they're built like a dorm room. Uh, we have opportunities to manage that. We haven't at this point. What we do is like our bread and butter is single family, two to four family apartments with students in it. So one apartment might have three students. We have some apartments that have 12 students. We have some houses that have six, some houses that have nine, some houses that have two. So it's all one to four family houses, mainly, that just happen to have students in them.
2: Okay. So obviously the biggest thing, you know, I'm thinking the semantics of trying to actually rent to these people, uh, because I've done that a little bit in the beginning. You know, we did some student housing downtown San Antonio and your St. Mary's. It's a small little university downtown. And so you're looking at, one, we define it. Okay, that's cool. Now, you do co-signers as kind of like a mandatory thing, meaning their parents need to potentially co-sign for each particular student. Uh, kind of talk me through that because I'm really under, under trying to understand the risk mitigation side of this. Like how do you ensure that the student just doesn't sign up and then leave? You know, th- there's very little recourse on a student necessarily, right? Cause they're 19 years old and they don't give a darn about their credit. Uh, kind of talk to me about some of the, how that works and just making sure that you're protecting the landlord's best interests.
1: Sure. So I'm probably going to blow, blow your mind and a lot of people's minds here. We don't do co-signers. Um, On the leases, everyone is jointly and severally liable. And what we explain to them is we say, listen, there are not five tenants in this house. There is one tenant. You're all collectively responsible for rent. You're all collectively responsible for all lease obligations. So you guys have to work together as a team. And I've had a lot of success with that for two reasons. Number one, peer pressure from friends is going to have a much stronger influence uh, instead of any threat that we can make. And number two, we, frankly, we really don't want to deal with the parents because the helicopter generation of parents, what happens is they hear, you know, they hear little Brad's side of the story and call us up barking at us. And we're like, well, excuse me, that's, do you want to hear the rest of the story? Because that's not the full picture. And, um, and frankly, we, we treat these kids like adults. And we tell them, and we're not for everyone, we, and we tell them that we're, when we sign. We're very thorough, because when you're dealing with students, like, like I said earlier, they, and I say this respectfully, but they know nothing. Like the, and I, I knew nothing when I was a student. Like, You don't know when the lights go out, hey, check the breaker. You, they just call, they call up their landlord, or they think like, the landlord's supposed to re- replace a light bulb, or they don't know to check the thermostat if the heat's not working to see if the thermostat's even on. It's just lots of little things. So so we really over-communicate with the students and we meet with them in person to sign a lease. It takes 20, 30 minutes and we go through each and everything. And I think you have to because the clients we've inherited who don't do that, it's, it's a disaster when the kids are moving out because they're like, well, he or she never explained that to me, blah, 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 blah. So it's a lot of trial and error we've learned from other landlords, but um, we're, we're very thorough uh, when dealing with the students and you have to be.
2: And that's an interesting twist because a lot of us in the single family home space, we're used to renting to adults. And they've been through the multifamily, uh, call it middle school and high school, right? It's like an education process. You know, you get out of college or whatever, you get a, a, a small apartment and you grow up to a bigger apartment. So they've been through the apartment phases, uh, especially here in military city of USA. We almost have professional renters because when they're moving every two, three years, they do become like used to renting. And yeah. so we, we don't have to do as much education, but it's a very interesting spin how you actually sit down with them, eyeball to eyeball, and say, look, this is exactly how you do these things. Here's a 40-page here's a guide that you probably give them, but you might brief them on some of that stuff. Uh, and you probably tell them, look, dude, you know, it's, it's figure it out. If you have something wrong, YouTube it first prior to calling us. Now, here's a question for you. How do you do some of the payment stuff? Is it one person paying? So let's say it's a thousand dollar unit, and there's five kids living there. Do they each pay you two hundred bucks separately, or is it a one payment of thousand bucks coming to you from one person? How's that working for you guys? So
1: I I learned off the bat uh, from another good friend of mine who was a student still is a student housing landlord is to accept one payment. So every house it's and again this is written in our lease, and we explain this to them when they sign the lease. We say, listen, guys, first of all, this is how you're going to pay rent. Rent is going to be submitted in one payment. The way we suggest you guys do it is the last week of every month. You guys Venmo, Cash App, write a check. I don't care how, but you get it to the one person in your group who's going to collect the rent and submit it. Once it clears in their account, you submit it on the first. And uh, we have houses that are almost paying $8,000 a month. One check. Yeah. One payment. And what's funny, and guess, you know what though? It teaches those kids two things. Number one, we're kind of teaching them how to be a landlord, and number two, we're teaching them how to grow up and be responsible real quick. And and this goes back to why we don't do co signers because you know you're saying wow eight thousand that's nuts you're not going to get all those kids to collect you know one kid's not going to pay well if one kid doesn't pay that's not our problem that's the whole group's problem because there's not ten tenants in the house there's one tenant so it's and I mean knock on wood it's worked very well um, you know obviously. Coronavirus over the past few months has made that a little bit more challenging. But um, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's always been one payment. And, and what's interesting is we'll get the parents who like kind of complain about that and we'll say, listen, we have 70 groups that submitted one payment. I promise you, your son or daughter will be able to do it and they'll be okay.
2: You know, it's, it's interesting because it reminds me of a story. And here I go on my story soapbox, right? But uh, so a long time ago, I did an eviction. And you might have a similar situation because... I envision, you know, you got eight kids are supposed to be paying the one kid and the one kid might be just straight up like going to Vegas or gambling it away or putting it up his nose. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so right. this would have been five, six years ago, at least I had an eviction and I showed up to a home with the sheriff, with the moving crew and the son-in-law was the one supposed to be paying us to pay the, the owner. And we showed up to evict. And the father of the son-in-law, right? The daughter's father had no idea this kid was not paying. Mm. He had no idea. I thought he was going to kill that kid on the front yard in front of the sheriff. (laughs) But once he found out, say, look, you're, you're past you this amount. He went down to the bank, got all that in a security, in a, uh, a cashier's check and brought it to us and then paid up right then and there on the spot during an eviction. So this is again, a court date later. A writ of possession later, the son-in-law had been hiding all of this from the father. Wow. I I don't know what happened to him after that, but they paid and never became a problem and and it was fine from there. But uh, I wonder if you ever have a situation like that, maybe sometime in the future where one of those kids that everybody's paying decides not to pay for some reason and those other kids just like come after him. Peer pressure is a mother, as you would say, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think that does teach them a lesson. I like that technique. I like that technique of, of putting one person in charge. Uh, you go collect whatever money you got to collect from the, the group and then go ahead. Now tell me, you know, the, one of the questions that popped up is the background checks, right? Uh, are you able to do some sort of screening and or background checks on each individual kid or are they like just coming in and out? Like you can't even track them if you, ha- if you wanted to.
1: So, I mean, we, we really don't do background checks either because you got to remember they're, they're 18, 19 years old. Like they don't have credit. I don't want to give away the secret sauce, but one of the things we do that we really value is can you follow directions? And I know it sounds simple, but we'll, we'll do something as simple as you're booked for this time on Thursday with so-and-so please text our leasing agent an hour before to confirm you're coming. Very simple to do. And
2: right. all these kids are, I mean, are they enrolled in school? Is that part of the, okay. So that's part of the application process. Are you enrolled in school? Yes or no? So if they're just some you know nineteen year old blue collar working at Subway, are you going to rent to them potentially?
1: We will, but it's it's different because if they work for a living, then you know then it's your typical you know do you make three times rent credit criminal history eviction check you know with 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 students it's just it's it's a little different you can't you can't really do that so but so the screening that we do do is again just making sure they follow directions we do check references if they they have. Um, if they've lived off campus the previous year, but we want to check with their landlord. And, you know, 98% of the times the landlord's like, yeah, they're fine. And honestly, it's um, the biggest thing is, do they follow directions? Are they respectful? I used to tell the same stupid joke every year when, when I used to do the showing. So I would tell the kids like, you know, this is the house, blah, 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 blah. And I'd say, guys, by the way, it's not a party house. This is not the place to throw a rager. But if you do throw a rager, you better invite me. And they, they usually like laugh. And one year, these two kids were like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And in my head, I'm like, okay, rejected. So it's just like, again, with, with that subset, the biggest thing is, do they follow directions? Are they respectful? Um, you know, and, and knock on wood, we've, we've been pretty good. Because I, what I've realized is the way my business comes off is we come off like a little firm and and stern and and buy the book. And that scares some kids off. And the other thing we tell these kids is we do quarterly inspections. So we say, listen, we're going to be by once a quarter. We're going to check the inside of the property. We're going to check the outside of the property. If we see any lease violations, we're going to let you know about it. So the people who want to party, they're like, I don't want to rent from that guy. He's going to be around the property. So just the way we do business kind of, I mean, we're not perfect. We still have kids who beat up the unit, but for the most part, the way we do business, we usually attract like really good student tenants.
2: Yeah. And you, more importantly, you want to attract really good student housing owners. You know, I, I think if you do the good job and you do the, the, the bad guy stuff, you know, that's what property managers do. And I always say good property managers can turn a marginal or even a brand new tenant into a very good tenant because you're there providing them the systems to make payments, the systems to do inspections, the systems to make repair requests. Now, one question I had, it's a tactic. What are you doing for the inspections? Are you using a certain software? Are you using pen and paper? Because when you start doing quarterly inspections and you need to compare, you know, eight quarterly inspections ago, two years ago to today, I mean, how do you track all that within software side? Are you still kind of learning these as you go? Because you're kind of new in this game.
1: So we used to use pen and paper. Now we, we switched this year to Appfolio. So we do them through uh, the Appfolio software. Cool.
2: That helps quite a bit. And it also gives your, your, your tenants an online payment portal you yeah. know, that, you, that you have that software. And it also makes it very easy for you to pay your your landlords. So you manage roughly about a hundred single, or excuse me, a hundred uh, student housing units. Uh, where do you envision taking this company? Because you're in your infancy here. You're like in within six months a year, really, you know, starting to chug along. Maybe longer, but you said you just kind of quit and started everything. Um, you, you quit your full time gig with the Wall Street side. Now you're into making a go as a management company owner and building this as an entrepreneurial. Uh, situation. What do you? Where do you envision taking this in the next 12 months to 24 months?
1: So I thank God I I learned this, but um, you know, about six months ago I learned like in business, just like investing, you need to be diversified. So about six months ago, I said to myself, you know what? I don't want to just be a student housing landlord. I want to manage for other people because I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. So what I started to do was to branch out in other towns and other counties. So up until like, you know, six months, a year ago, I, it was just New Brunswick. It was just a neighborhood in New Brunswick. It wasn't even other areas. So now we manage in three counties. It's we we managed in about a 30 minute radius and, you know, single family, two to four family, small apartment buildings. Honestly, I'm even looking into doing section eight. And the reason why is because somebody has to do it. So why not us? And, you know, if it works out great and if it doesn't, okay, that's okay too. But, you know, at least we tried something new. So, anyway, I, I'm looking, like right now, we're not even taking any new student housing clients. And I've, I've turned down people. I've said, listen, I'd love to help you, but we have enough on our plate. Because the thing with student housing, all those units turn over at the exact same time. So, yeah. we, just turn, we just turned over, uh, really in like a week's time span, 37 units. And that was, yeah, that was very challenging.
2: Tenants not changing their air filters? Costly
0: HVAC repairs and unhappy owners got you down? Filter Easy is a subscription air filter delivery service that solves this problem by shipping filters directly to the
2: tenant's front door when it's time to change. Tenants actually change them, which reduces HVAC-related maintenance calls by an average of 30%. Filter Easy's no-cost-use solution functions as a profit center to give you back
0: time and money. Call 1-800-308-1186
2: today to learn more. Let's talk about the COVID thing specifically. What's your fall projection? Are you still thinking things are going to kick off in the fall as as normal? Or, I mean, what do you? is summer school already in effect for you guys there? I mean, what's going on in, in the university world there in New Jersey?
1: So... I personally feel like um, most schools are going to have like a, a quote unquote hybrid opening. So I don't think you're going to have 600 person lecture halls, but I do think that they're going to try to find a way to get uh, the campuses at least partially open. Um, I'm preparing for a quote unquote second wave, not because I really think it's happening, but I I've, I just like to be prepared. Right. And if it, if it doesn't happen, great. If it does. OK, well, we already have and I like ideas in place of what we're going to do. Like, I want to play chess. I want to always stay ahead of the, ahead of the game. Um, You know, so that's what we're kind of thinking. We've gotten, I mean, it was tough, obviously, in March and April with, with leasing for students. It was, I think we signed like one lease, but the the past couple weeks have actually picked up a little bit, which I I predicted uh, would happen. And I think once at least the school, you know, Rutgers, uh, once they make a call, I think that's going to, jettison a lot of people who you know were on the fence or kind of waiting for Rutgers to move so um you know it's one thing i've gotten used to is uh i've gotten used to being i've gotten comfortable being uncomfortable
2: great point because here's what i wanted to ask you this is kind of a uh, unique question um i want you to give me your favorite and your least favorite thing about the student housing realm that's kind of your niche that's kind of where you are uh, I could also envision you doing other good things. It sounds like you have a, a very good mindset for this. Give me your favorite and your least favorite thing about student housing.
1: Least favorite would be um, the lack of awareness with um, just like thinking, like like I've in the past. Like my phone has been on silent for like five years, and the reason why is because like people will call you at like eleven thirty at night, like hey, I can't. The light bulb's not working. Or like we, you know, we managed a house that was like three doors down from a bar. Like midnight, people text me, hey, somebody's puking on the side of the house. I'm like, sorry to hear that, but I don't know what to tell you. You live next to a bar. One of the most popular bars in New Jersey, by the way. Um, Favorite thing would be, I'll tell you what the favorite thing is. It's not just student housing. My favorite thing is all of my clients, not all of them, but a lot of them, like I'm not stupid. They're very successful people. They they all are from different backgrounds. A lot of them are immigrants, and not one story is the same with how they became successful. And, and that's what I love. Like I, I have I have a client who you know invented something and retired. I have another I have another client whose grandfather was sold as a slave to Uganda, and his kid is a multimillionaire. I have another client. They opened up a Chinese restaurant, very successful. I have another client who's a trust fund baby. You know I have like but like every. Every single story is different, and they're all great people. And that's what's the most rewarding thing about uh, the property management side. And, and you, you know, they you just have to own student housing.
2: Do you envision this, this student housing really starting to kind of be a thing you could stay on forever and ever? I mean, you could gradually grow it as you're comfortable in growing it. But do you feel there's a niche that needs to be filled for, you know, the, the duration, the infinity? Uh,
1: filling a niche where?
2: Well, in the student housing realm of property management, because, you know, a lot of folks do focus. I mean, if you were in Florida, you could manage, you know, single family homes on the beach. You know, you can make a living doing that, or you could manage condos. You can make a living doing that. You can manage, make a living doing commercial, make a, li- make a living, like here at RentWorks, all we, all we manage is single family homes. And it's the upper end level of single family homes. So that's what we work on. And that's what we manage. Uh, do you envision your company and you, you yourself? making a niche living off of student housing for the duration.
1: Yeah, I think it'll always be a strong part of our business. Like we we're going to open up an office that's in that neighborhood and that's going to be, that's going to be headquarters. That's going to be home, so to speak. Um, you know, I, again, I, I do want to diversify my business and not just manage students. I want to be able to manage families and, and section eight and small apartment buildings just because I, I, I believe in, you know, risk mitigation. Um, the, the interesting thing with student housing is it's a niche within a niche. So it's different than just renting to, you know, Joe Schmoe, who, you know, who works a decent job. It's just, it's, it's very management intensive. And there's, um, there's a, there's a lot of um, nuances that you need to know to be successful in it.
2: I, I envision there's opportunities there with the busy millennials to do a lot of different things. One is provide them some sort of technology package in the home. And that could be Wi-Fi and keyless locks and video cameras and what other cool stuff that's out there that Point Central might provide or some of the other providers. Uh, The other one is doing some sort of a concierge-type service with maintenance. You know, some of these kids may not know how to change a filter, may not know how to, you know, unclog a drain. Some of the things that would be on them, uh, maybe there's opportunities for dry cleaning pickup, you know, stuff like that where you could provide them concierge services you know, not, in, not to even talk about the maintenance side. I mean, the maintenance side, again, is going to be another animal that you can generate revenue from. But I would envision student housing is, is very much like multifamily as far as like, if you can provide amenities, they'll pay and they'll be glad to pay. And they'll be asking for more stuff like that. So you envision some of that coming along? Are you doing some of that to really generate you know additional revenue streams?
1: It's not so much to, I mean, it, I should be thinking that way. It's not so much to generate additional revenue streams as it is to solve problems before they become one so one popular thing that we do is um and it depends on the owner but most owners pay for it is we will take your trash out for you so i know that sounds like kind of like why why would you do that but the reason why we do it is because um in that area they love handing out trash tickets and uh if, if your garbage is not out on a certain day you'll get a ticket or you know what if you, if you didn't even touch your garbage can, but a bunch of kids walk by and dump their pizza box and their beer cans and whatever, now that stuff's all over the lawn, you'll get a ticket. So what we do is we have crews where we say, listen, your job is to handle the garbage, make sure there's no garbage in front of the property. If there is and we have to go to court, we will take care of it. So we, we solved a problem for an owner. And then we also solved a problem for a tenant. And when we go to lease these houses and we tell the tenants, hey, by the way, we take care of garbage collection. They're like, oh, that's great. It's one less thing I have to worry about. That brings so, up another,
2: another brings up another good point. Is what are you guys doing with utilities? Are the tenants responsible for their own power, water, garbage, sewer, whatever there might be on the utility side? Are they responsible for that, or are they paying that through you guys?
1: Tenants are responsible for all utilities. We we don't get involved with that. We you know we obviously could help them set up their, because again they don't really know much. We could help them set up their their electric and their heat. You know the Wi Fi they. They want Wi-Fi, so they'll figure that out. The water bill is always in the owner's name that, you know, that comes every three months. Um, I do think with student, and again, this is all, this is all based on geography. Like what works in New Jersey, it might not be the same in, in Florida or Tennessee or, or, or anywhere else, but with us, uh, with the water bill, I think it's important that the students pay it because, um, you know, we, we've had cases where you know, they leave toilet toilets running or, you know, there's a problem with the water bill and um, it, it just kind of holds, holds their feet to the fire, so to speak, and being responsible.
2: Yeah. I would never make it all inclusive. I would never do that to say, yeah, we cover your water. We cover your electric. Uh, what I would think would maybe be an opportunity is if you guys took on some sort of, you know, system to where you pay the utilities for them, but then just basically pass along that utility charge. So if they spend a hundred bucks in electric, you charge them a hundred bucks plus a small fee on top of that to to handle the bill. They still see the bill. They still collect it and have to pay for it. But if you guys did something like that, then those utilities never get turned off because my fear would be, you know, utilities getting turned off and now you're screwing over six other kids in a building where one person forgot to pay the electric. Uh, I know you're trying to teach them, you know, reliability and being an adult, but you know, that's always some of those things I would think of, but I'm not saying you're doing it wrong or, or anything like that. I just think, uh, there's opportunities there for you to potentially take on a little bit more in the management side and maybe generate, you know, five bucks a month for it. You know, you take that That's at a scale at hundred units and there's something more there.
1: That's a good point. I didn't think of that.
2: Yeah. Well, good stuff, Pete. Um, any other stuff you want to talk about here about student housing, New Jersey, Rutgers football, what do you got for me?
1: Well, uh, from the Rutgers football side, I played under Coach Ciano and, um, you know, great man. And a lot of what I learned under him, I, I apply to business and in life. And, um, you know, he, he had this phrase when I was there called keep chopping. And um, basically what it means is it's your ability to focus on the task at hand. And, you know, some people might find it a little corny, but it, it really works. And it's, it's really helped me a lot through the coronavirus because with with all the chaos going on and, you know, people trying to wiggle out of... Financial obligations and uh, all you can control is today and in the moment. It's w- what can I control right now? What can I focus on right now? So, like for me, right now, I'm going to be the best I could be with Brad Larson, you know. And then when I'm done with that, I'm going to be the best I could be with meeting this plumber at two o'clock to fix a gas leak. And then <laughs> after I'm, I'm serious, and then after I'm done, like that's what I'm going to focus on. It's called like chop. Like you just that's what I focus on. That's what, I, and then the day's done. And then I focus on the next day. Cause if you try to think about all these other different things, you'll drown, like you overwhelm yourself. So, um, again, that's something I learned in college. And I, I take it with me and, you know, in the real world and it's made me really successful so far. Um, and for me in the future, you know, I, I, am a big believer in setting goals, you know? So this year our goal was to, to get to 120 doors. We're a little over hundred now. And that's frankly because we we have some that are pending sale, because we also do brokerage. Uh, so I think we'll hit 120, and then in, the, in next year, I'd probably like to get to 200. I, I believe in slow growth. I don't want to get overwhelmed. Um, you know, and through coronavirus, I've learned I want to have proper reserves on the business side. if God forbid there's a problem that you know I could actually pay my staff, and I can't you know if we don't have revenue for two weeks, i have to get rid of everyone. I don't believe in that. so you know, I I believe in slow growth, doing things the right way, holding people accountable. And um, I just love the chase. I love growing the business. I love meeting new people. And uh, that's, that's to me, that's a hell of a lot better than sitting, you know, chained to a desk in corporate world.
2: Uh, I couldn't even imagine. I could not even imagine. Pete, this has been really cool for you to come on the show, man. I loved it. Loved our conversation. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that got something out of that, if not a lot out of it, because I think we talked about something that's hardly ever, ever talked about is the student housing, and the startup phase into that, because I do think there's an actual need for that in a in the right. I mean, this could be anywhere across the USA. It could be at Auburn University. It could be at you know, San Diego State. There's opportunities there for student housing across the board. So, Pete, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time here, brother. Let's stay in touch. OK. Thank you, Brad. Need a repair at 2 a.m.? Easy does it. Easy Repair coordinates maintenance
0: and nothing else, and takes after-hour maintenance calls for property managers, working with your property management software so you can see exactly what Easy is doing without leaving your own software. From Las Vegas, Nevada, our full-time maintenance coordinators will dispatch your work orders with vendors from our Growing Repair Vendor Network, where available, or we'll use your vendors. Give us a call at 800-488-6032, or visit our website, www.ezrepairhotlinellc.com. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.